0: Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big, the exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or, as a few of us say, bad as rich guys would do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin.
1: I'm glad you were
0: home. Huh? All right, Go Bros. We are in the Go Borough room, and I got one of our newest members, three months in as a Go Bundance brother. And I just got back from Austin, Texas, at his first Go Abundance event, and he absolutely loved it. And we're getting ready to go deep with some brutal authenticity. So, anyways, and guys, here's the thing don't read his name and think you know how to pronounce it. Just think really, like, think like a teenage kid going, really? I got Mr. Ben really on the line. Welcome, Ben.
1: Hey, how's it going, Pat?
0: Hey, Ben, why don't you give the GoBros a little background on yourself so they can get to know you better.
1: Sure. So I am in Tucson, Arizona. I've been here for nine years now. Uh, I went to the University of Arizona for school. That's what caused me to move here. Uh, While I was going to school, I got started in real estate investing and decided that that was pretty much my passion in life, was building wealth through real estate. So I started a couple companies and have been uh, pursuing that full-time for the last three years. Um, After graduating law school at the U of A, I I started the companies full-time and really haven't slowed down since.
0: All right, so let me get this straight. So you go to college, you go to law school, the whole time you're in law school, you're thinking, I'm going to
1: be a lawyer, right? Uh, I would say after about the first semester, I was doing real estate on the side. I bought my first house at 18. And I saw the potential and the power that, of, of, of what real estate can offer somebody from financial freedom, horizontal income, and just got very interested. was doing flips and different things. And then probably around my senior year of college, I wanted to make a run at it full time, but I just didn't feel I was in the right position. So I went to law school, and I I realized pretty early on my passionate passion is real estate. The law degree is going to help, so let's finish it out. But yeah, I was I was pretty much bought in from the time I was eighteen that I wanted to do something Mm
0: -hmm. in real estate. Was any of that like your parents, or do you think you had pressure? Like I almost feel like you were you suppressing your passion at that point.
1: I don't think so. I, I think I have pretty supportive parents in that regard. I mean, they helped me buy my first house at 18. They co-signed on the loan, gave me my scholarship money to buy a house and house hack, rent out the rooms and to cover the mortgage. I, I think in probably a little bit more of just uh, limiting belief on my side that I could be entrepreneurial and go build a business. I was entrepreneurial from the time I was four or five years old, but there's a risk factor in saying that you're gonna go at it when all your buddies are getting jobs, Going and working in big corporations to be the outlier that says, "No, I'm going to start a company and I'm just going to figure it out." So I don't think it was my parents as much as maybe eliminating beliefs on myself and uh, just trying to follow the social norm.
0: You know, there's a lot to be said that to t- about masterminds here because. I want to talk about this because this is why masterminds are so important. Here's a question. If you, because someone listening to this would be like, okay, yeah, you might tell yourself that it was great that you have a law degree or whatever, because you could fall back on that, or you might've learned about the law. But another part of your mind could say, shit, the real estate market kicked ass for the last four years while you were in law school. If you'd have been buying like crazy, you'd be a lot richer And I'm sure you've thought of that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have a question. That is, if you were involved in a mastermind, similar to some, uh, let's just call it a real estate mastermind, right? That was a bunch of real estate investors, right? And a lot of young real estate investors. And you saw 18-year-olds and 21-year-olds and whatever, buying a bunch of real estate and building wealth. Do you think you would have stuck law school
1: out? That's a good question. I had very fortunate circumstances in the law school regard that that caused me to stick it out. I think if a few elements were a little different, I probably would have pursued real estate uh, solely and not finished out the degree Uh, in in regards to that. I was on a scholarship, so I I wasn't paying for it. And I also, I didn't go to class much. I just kind of showed up for the finals and studied at night. So for all intents and purposes, I was running the real estate at a a pretty decent level um, and trying to figure it out. If I would have been exposed to guys like the ones in Austin at 21, 22 years old, the masterminding component, I definitely would have made a drastic, drastic shift in it. I would have been able to move a lot quicker. My experience into real estate was basically my dad was a career military guy who works 60, 70 hours a week. And my best friend's dad owned 30 houses and they were paid off and he traveled all over the world. Uh <laughs> So it was kind of Rich Dad, poor dad kind of. Straight out of the book, right? Straight out of the book. It it was very easy for me to see, yes, I want to do real estate. Uh, the the reality is the, the path he showed me to do real estate, which was the one that he knew, was you work hard, you save up your money, you buy your first house, you work hard, you save up your money, you buy your second house. And so I thought that was the path, right? I didn't understand that there was so much more potential and opportunity. He did it the hard way over. Right, thirty years of just grinding it out and
0: very successful, paying them all off. I mean, yeah, that's right. a get rich slow for sure. Not that it's <laughs> right or wrong, but it, it's just a way, right? And and God's exactly. way was a way. You know what I mean? I mean, it's. But it's interesting, and I, you know, the reason I bring this up is because I, I, I've been thinking about this myself. I, like just recently, I think I've really come to a conclusion about my company uh, where I'm doing real estate agent training that it could be really big. And I think what's helped me believe this, going back to what you said about, you know, the belief, you had a limiting belief, you know, that, that you could really do it even though you were an entrepreneur from a young age, is the same with me. Like I had a, for a long time, I had a limiting belief that it could be really big. And then after I started surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs that run digital companies and are doing things online that are making a ton of money doing it, that I look at and say, I'm the same as them or smarter than them. It took that for me to really believe, right? And I kind of feel like it's the same for you. Like you came to this realization eventually like, okay, I believe that I can do this.
1: And I think, I think the, the belief is the key. That's the value of GoBundance, right? Right is you're exposed to that next level up of entrepreneurs and individuals who are pursuing passion. And and the awesome part is it's not just in business, it's in all aspects of life. But I I started my sales team uh, at the beginning of 2016 with myself and two agents. We had the other businesses pretty much already humming along. Uh, I didn't know you could make money in residential sales. I thought Soccer Moms sold houses on the weekend. No offense to that model. I didn't understand that sure. you could run as <laughs> a sales team. And so we started in 2016 and we were like, man, it would be really cool if one day we could sell 20 or 30 million in real estate. We did 20 million the first year. We're going to do 40 to 45 this year. And the reason for that jump in and sales and the reason I bring that up is I started getting exposed to guys who are doing 80 and 100 million. And it's like, once you see the opportunity and, and the reality that those guys are, for all intents and purposes, no different than you. They may have more leverage in their life. They may be more purposeful, but that you can catch them and you can compete in that playing field. Once the the veil comes off and you realize that the sky's the limit, you know it's the same as the four minute mile concept. Once yeah. you see somebody else doing it, if you're entrepreneurial and you're you're motivated and driven, it's not hard to connect the dots to get there. The the most challenging part is just seeing it and being able to connect those dots. That's my belief.
0: I, loved, I love this conversation, Ben. This is, this is some fun stuff. Okay. So let's get to your nitty gritty here. Okay. What is your What percentage are you?
1: So I have quite a few assets right now in production that, that we're renovating for rentals. I will be a 44 percenter, which is for me, 60,000 net income by the end of this year, once we get our assets in production. All right. So what are you today? Today, I'm about 22%. Okay. We sold off a large portion of our portfolio and repositioned in the last three to six months.
0: And, wh- and what does that mean?
1: So, so my, my model uh, I have a property management company, a licensed construction company, and a residential and commercial sales team. And so, we, we go in, we acquire assets, strong performing, or normally they're run down properties, and then we fix them up, remodel them, and turn them into strong performing assets, and we hold those but we also market them at a premium to our investment base. And when we have an investor who who wants to come in and acquire either for 1031 exchange purposes or they're just looking to grow their portfolio, uh, our model has always been to sell for a profit as long as we can line up future uh, revenue producing assets. So we already had some stuff that we could move into. So that's been my model for about the last three years is build up a portfolio and then if we can – can uh, sell it and, and make a decent profit, then move into the next level of, of assets, of rental asset class.
0: Okay, and are, are, you, are you doing single family flips, or what are you doing?
1: So, it's single family and multifamily. We've kind of built a niche in both of those spaces. So, yep. my I, I'm really a big fan in the Tucson market right now on single family homes. So that's my primary emphasis, but at the same time, I just, the, the assets I'm talking about, one's a sixplex and one's a duplex that uh, we've closed on in the last 45 days.
0: Sweet. Okay. So uh, what's your net worth?
1: So real estate assets right now, I'm at 981000 and then I have about 100000 in personal savings.
0: All right. So you barely qualified for abundance.
1: I barely made it in. I think <laughs> they let me count some of my business valuations on there. Um,
0: stock market uh, crashes. You're in trouble here, buddy.
1: Yeah, I know you guys will be kicking me out.
0: All right. So what, what's your LTI, uh, you're left to invest
1: right now. It's, it's about 200,000 a year. Cool. And what's your life happiness index? So when I went, when I really drilled down into it, I, uh, I'm about a 6.6 pretty low. Yeah. I, I mean, It's subjective, right? Because you're rating your, your,
0: (laughs) that's why we're here. So what, what's pulling you down? What would you say the lowest two sectors are for you?
1: So the, the two that I really identified were uh, romance and then risk slash excitement. Okay. I've kind of gone all in over the last 18 months on my business and uh, on some personal development goals and some health and uh, fitness goals. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Those those other ones have fallen by the wayside. Like, I'm going to go to the gym before I go on a date right now, just because I'm <laughs> I'm really purposeful about hitting a couple of my fitness goals. And so it's it's all about balance, but I don't know that you can perfectly balance everything. So for right now, those are the ones that have fallen off for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. What can the Go Bros do to help you? You know, pull those up.
1: I, I think Austin was awesome to see the. The, the level of success in the room and, and see the, the personal struggles that everybody faces on a daily basis kind of helped me recognize that maybe I'm, well, one it recognize I'm not alone in a lot of the, the struggles on the personal side. Like, It seemed like everybody in the room, business came really, really easy to them. Right. And it was the other stuff that was the challenge. And so to, to see that firsthand from guys who are performing at such a high level, just being in the room, I think is a, big benefit to me and, and helps me put the pieces in place to improve on my, myself. And I think accountability, right? I'm, I'm, I have my GoPod call tomorrow and, and getting some accountability on, hey, you need to make time for romance. You need to make time to do some riskier, more exciting adventures in life. Uh, the accountability piece is definitely something else. To
0: how how old are you? 28. Have you ever been in love?
1: I would, as maybe an answer? <laughs> If it's
0: maybe it probably means no.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say it's it's likely a no, but yeah. a, until you experience it, do you really know, right? No.
0: No, so. you don't know. Yeah, you would know. You would definitely know. That's a that's a age old adage, right? How do you know? People used to always say, How do you know when you should get married? How do you know? People would I would always ask that and people were like, You you just know, son, you just know. You know, and then <laughs> Right. When I was ready to get married, man, I was ready to get married. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I just knew it was just, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like this Ben Franklin checklist, you know, pluses and minuses. It was just, it's just new. And the same thing as with love When you're in love, you know, you just know. So, uh, you know, now more than ever, there's, there's a million ways to find love and they, they all work. So. So that's great. I think you know what you need to do. It's just a matter of being uh, purposeful about it, just like all the other things you've done in life, right? Absolutely. Okay. So what about giving back? What's your giving ratio,
1: Ben? So I wasn't really sure how to calculate that. So I I apologize for not being able to give you a a number. Yeah,
0: no, uh, it's easy. Okay. So let's see, like, um, how much money did you make last year?
1: Uh, 280,000.
0: All right. So if you gave away 28,000 to charity last year, your giving ratio would be 10%. If you gave away 1,400 bucks to charity, your giving ratio is a half a percent. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yep. So I gave away about $10,000 last year.
0: All right, so you're at like, let's just say a percent or 10,000. No, 10, yeah, you know, you're like... It's about a, 3.5, 3.6. You're 6. Like 0.3. 10 grand. Oh, you're at no, 10 grand 280, right, three and a half. So your giving ratio, let's say, is 4%, just, just for your one-sheet purposes. When you do that with your yep. with your GoPod, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show on there on your one-sheet. Just put 4% and that'll be a goal to move that up. Okay, so...
1: And if I, if I could touch on that for, for just yeah, a second. Yeah, please. Go for it. So giving back and volunteering, it's a big thing that we push on my team. It's a big company culture piece for us. We do food drives and toy drives and, and spend a lot of time um, trying to better the community here in Tucson. Hal Elrod came in and gave a pretty impactful talk about giving and the importance of it. And it, it really resonated, had a big impact on me. Uh, I think that the cool thing that, that he talked about that I, I plan to implement is setting up that like a, a giving account, so a, a bank account simply for donations. And I just I absolutely love this concept of um, that way you can really track it and know and know what you have to give as, as people come to you and ask for donations and, and for you to support different causes to be able to look at the account and say, you know, my I, I'm committed to giving away 10% or 5%, whatever it is. And right now I don't have any money in the account. I, you know, I'd love to help you, but come back in a month when I, when I replenish it. I, I like that concept because it holds you accountable. If you're putting the money in there, then you you're being held accountable to, to give it away to people. In need.
0: I, I love that idea too. Cause let's say your goal is you're at 4%. Let's say your goal is 10%, right? So then, you know, beginning of the year you need to put $28,000 in there. Right. And, yep. and, and, and no, if, ands or buts, <laughs> you, you know, I think it's too easy to give a hundred bucks here and 500 bucks here, you know, or 20 bucks here, or 25, go fund me here, and think that you're giving away a lot. But in reality, it's not going to add up to much if you're doing it that way. I love his idea. I love yep. that. I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, if you listen to Pat Cullenane's episode of the GoBundance podcast, he does it a little differently and i agree with with how he does it and i and i and we've i've asked mike mccarthy to kind of try to figure out how to implement this onto the one sheet and i think mike actually added a um, a section to the one sheet on number of hours but what pat did is he he calculated the number of hours he actually volunteered which was like you know a lot and calculated his hourly rate and then added that to his percentage. So if your hourly rate is, you know, 280, you divide that up. Let's say you made 280, you divide that up by, you know, 52 weeks. Then you divide that by 40 hours a week. Then it comes up with your hourly rate, and then you take it times the number of volunteer hours, and you add that to your 4%, and that that might bring you up closer to 10. Does that make sense?
1: It does. So, After Austin, I went down to Houston to help with the KW Relief Effort, and uh, I spent a lot of time, I I spoke with uh, some of the other guys down there, Anthony Azar who's a GoBro, spent a lot of time talking to him about the realization that I had going down there and helping this family. Their their home was underwater up to the ceiling, and I've always been of the the thought process, and this is the wrong thought process, and and I got corrected while I was down there, of it's better for me. My highest and best use of time is to work and make money because I can then give more financially. And I, although I have give time, I, I've always kind of shied away from it. And to see the impact that we had just showing up and helping these people and them understanding somebody had their back really resonated with me. So my, my commitment and what I'm implementing for myself and I want to roll out for my team is basically, basically to become a 10 percenter Every year, 10% of my work hours and 10% of my income I want to give back. So there's 20,000, 2,087 work hours in a year on a 40-hour week. I think every GoPro probably works more than that, but I'm starting there. And saying I want to commit to 208 hours per year, purposefully giving to make an impact to, to better the world as a whole. So
0: I'm really glad you me. brought this up. That is... That's a great goal. I think everybody, listen, I think we should all, you know, start tracking this. I mean, I think what people don't realize, number one, is the amount of fulfillment you actually get, right? You probably got more fulfillment in those two 48 hours that you were there, however many days you were there. Then you had- oh, no- without,
1: with, without a doubt. One of those, uh, take it with me forever, extremely impactful. And, you know, every every time you, you you give back, whether we do a food drive or a fundraiser, a toy drive, whatever it is, you you have that- resonating feeling what I think happens is you it gets the accountability gets lost right like you want to give back but then something comes up or something's going on and there's no real accountability behind it and so I actually created a Facebook group and have invited a couple of my friends who are passionate about giving and we're just calling it 10 percenter and we're going to work through and figure out how we can hold each other accountable and how we can really make this purposeful if 10 people commit to giving 10 percent of their time and income that's basically one person devoting a full year to making an impact in the world around them and so i really i get excited and passionate about it it's something i've been working on for
0: this is good stuff will you put a link to will you invite the people in go abundance elite to 10 percenter
1: absolutely i would be happy to and it's very very early stages we're just getting started with it but any feedback i mean the
0: concept is I think it's brilliant. It, it sort of, you know, it ties into what Hal said, and then it ties into what, you know, what, what you're saying is, you know, you make the commitment there and then you track it. That's what abundance is all about. It's about tracking the ones, you know, and that's what the one sheet is for, you know, the goal is to be a hundred percenter on horizontal income. Well, the goal should be being a 10 percenter on giving back, Right.
1: Absolutely. Without question. I mean and you know, Hal said it so elegantly and when he go he said something about you have a duty and I'm probably gonna butcher this quote, but you have a duty to earn for those who cannot earn for themselves. And I, I took that as you're in the go Abundance room because you have a gift of I'm making money. Yeah, right. That. Yeah. Whether it's a natural gift you're chosen. so one way or another, you in this world have a gift. And you probably earned it, you probably worked hard for it, not discrediting that at all. But you have a duty right. to impact and give back. And I think that gets lost a lot. And I don't, I, I truly believe you know, wealthy individuals, to a large extent, want to help and want to give back and want to make an impact. My dream of a 10%er uh, as a group would be to help facilitate some of that. that interaction of accountability and then just allocating resources. Here's people who need help or here's an opportunity to get, here's an idea.
0: Because, because people want to be immersed in it. You know what I mean? Like, like they might, they might work 30 days straight and not even think about their give back ratio. But if, if someone's there saying, Hey, at the end of this month, we got three days, we got to go over here and give back whatever it is. Um, And
1: and and it's going to be, you know, to give an example, we set up the Facebook group like five days ago. Uh, one of my buddies in Kansas City who I invited to it, he's doing a uh, a ruck march for honor flights and trying to raise money for it. Mm. And so he posted that, hey, I'm doing this event, trying to give some time and money back. We'd love support. Well, one, few of us donated to that cause, but then it also spurred me to go, I need to get my ass in gear because I need to make sure that I'm implementing the same thing in my world. And so... That's the part that really excites me and inspires me about about the concept.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Take me a little bit of what that was like, uh, Ben. So you, because I, I know you and I are supposed to talk, and then you canceled, and uh, because you at the last minute, right? You were like, "Hey, I'm going with you guys," right?
1: Yeah, I. Uh, so, so two of the agents that run my residential and my commercial teams were going to Mega Camp, and uh, when it when it got shifted to Mega Relief. They, they kind of were trying to figure out, should we go out? Who should go out? They, they both have families, so it's a little bit harder for, for them to get away for, for something to, to go down and give back in that regard. They're both family men who give back to the community substantially in Tucson. And so myself and another team member said, you know, we, we, we're, we can make this one happen. Let's send two guys from our team so that the team is there and the team is, is fulfilling that obligation that we have to help out. For you two on this particular one, it's not necessary. So we kind of just decided to, to jump in and, and make it happen. Okay. So
0: you go there, right? And, and, and there's a house, right? And the water's all gone out of the house, right? But you could see the water lines eight feet up, right? Is the person like sitting in their front yard on a box or, or what, what was that like? Tell me the story.
1: Yeah. So there, there were a few KW agents um, there and they had been doing houses the last couple of days and when we pulled up they were just getting started and they they were very clear that this house was 10 times worse than any that they had seen the, the water was actually 14 feet deep the house luckily was six feet off the ground to start so uh, it went all i kid you not up to the top of the ceiling the, the only part of the house that did, we did not demo the drywall out of was the ceiling that's the only part that did not go so basically it looked like somebody took their house and just shook it really really hard and then set it back down because the water level had just shifted everything in the house. The kitchen's upside down in the middle of the kitchen. Everything is just all dispersed throughout the house. And you're not able to save anything. Everything in that house was ruined. They they did not save were not able to save, salvage anything.
0: But Okay, so here's, here's some things that are coming up, right? So you guys go in there and then you rehab this thing, right? You put in new walls. You take out the furniture. You get rid of the furniture. You put in new walls, paint it new carpet, all that stuff, right?
1: So no, we, we did not do, we only did. It took us two, two, over two days to just do the demo. That's all we were able to do. It needs to air out for a couple of days and then they have to have another team go back in and start putting it back together. My okay. team's actually doing a fundraiser for the family to help raise funds because they're not sure the insurance is going to cover very much of the repair costs.
0: Okay, well, that, that's what I wanted to ask, right? So you got all these people going in there, demoing it, you know, taking out all this stuff. They don't have the insurance yet. So it's quite possible that a lot of these people are going to come out ahead, right? Because you guys go in there and you do all this work for free, right? And rehab their whole house for free. And then, you know, Allstate comes out a couple months later and gives them a, you know, a whole check. I mean, uh, and, and they get to put all that money in the bank, right? I mean, how does that work? Did you, did, can you explain some of the logistics of what happens when all these volunteers go in and help? I mean, you can't just assume that everyone doesn't have insurance. I imagine the majority of them did have insurance, right?
1: So I have a very, very narrow view, right, or experience. I, I worked with one family the whole time I was there. They had just done a cash-out refinance on their house to buy the house next door. The house next door went fully underwater and is not salvageable. The house next door, they did not have flood insurance on. The only reason they had any flood insurance on their house, their particular house, was because of the mortgage. Uh, but they were already fighting with the bank on whether or not they were going to get any funds and how much they would get. Uh, the family believed, from the insurance perspective, there was going to be little to no uh, support.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I guess the key is flood insurance because I like, like on, you know, I have a bunch of houses, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have flood insurance on any of them. No. So, so I wouldn't be covered then is what you're saying, right? Like a homeowner's policy wouldn't cover flood
1: that, that I, I, from my understanding, again, it's a limited understanding on the topic, but from my understanding, a lot of the damage done is not going to be covered by insurance.
0: Uh, You're probably right. I think you're right. And I didn't think about that. I was thinking homeowner's insurance would cover, but I bet you, I bet you done. not I bet you get screwed, you know, because who's, who's, who expects it to flood in, in Houston, Texas, you know? I mean, when was the last time it flooded there? Probably never.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the area too, yeah. too, too much. So I, I couldn't tell you, but I, no I do problem. know that regardless that cleanup effort is going to be it's going to be more than a year more than two years that, that community is going to be impacted for a long time Jeez. all
0: right let's jump to some health related things here um all right sure so uh what do you weigh
1: uh about 190 right now okay 6%. what's your body fat 10 to 11 percent. all right and uh tell me what's your diet uh, very very low carb um no processed foods a lot of nuts vegetables, uh, and then proteins, lean proteins.
0: And what about your exercise routine?
1: I lift weights, uh, circuit train five to six days a week in the morning. I run two to three times a week at night, and I do yoga once a week.
0: And how far are you running?
1: Three miles is pretty pretty standard. Uh, we I like to drop in sprints there, depending on who I'm running with. Um, so some days sometimes. you'll double
0: workout then, right? Because you got you – got Both sp- days. You got six, three, and one, so you're working out 10, day, 10 times, right? You're working out 10 times in seven days. So three days, you got double workouts, one in the morning and one at night, right? Correct. No wonder you're at 10%, 11% body fat. That's, that's incredible. Have you always been like that?
1: Uh, I was a swimmer. Swam twice a day from the time I was about nine years old up until 18. So I'm used to, to putting in some pretty heavy physical activity. I actually got away from it. During college and even after college, and realized it was an element that I was missing in my life, and I, I really wanted to get back. So, yeah, I would say over the last 18 months, maybe even two years now, I got very purposeful with fitness and diet and just getting things dialed back in. I lost about 20, 25 pounds. You did? Wow.
0: You know, with, with such a hyper focus on that, you ought to look at like fitness singles. Have you tried that website? I have not. You should look at that. I I know a guy that, you know, he he was massively focused on the age defying health pillar to the point where like a lot of chicks would be like, dude, you, you know, working out twice a day is kind of extreme and uh, they didn't get it. And he went to fitness singles and he made it, he met a chick like that. You know what I mean? And it was, and it worked, you know? That's awesome. And Anyways, that, that might make the road a little easier. Okay, so let's talk about greatest hits. Every rock and roll star has a greatest hits album. You've had 28 years of life. What have been your five greatest hits in those 28 years?
1: Snowboarding Breckenridge for a week and a ski and ski out is on top of my, one of the top on my list. I just... I actually do it every year now, but that first trip, that experience was just pretty pretty impactful and pretty amazing. Is that enough detail going into that? or?
0: Yeah, that's one. You got four more. Four more.
1: I, I think buying my first house at 18 and that summer, fixing it up, I lived in an RV in the backyard with my brothers. <laughs> brought, brought us pretty close together. We had no idea what we were doing for the most part. I was. We'd watch YouTube videos at night and then go in and so like, if we were doing tile, we'd watch a How to Lay Tile YouTube video at night, and then we'd go into the house and start laying tile. Mm. So, that experience was, was pretty, uh, pretty impactful in my life. I, I love traveling. I got this huge travel bug a couple of years ago. My favorite place and trip I've gone on is probably Nicaragua with two of my best friends. And it, it's weird because we were supposed to spend 10 days down there. We ended up getting sick day seven and coming home early. But it was just uh, – Wait a
0: minute. Wait a minute. All yeah. three of you got sick?
1: Yeah, we, uh, we kind of got stuck out at sea in a pretty wicked storm on, a, on a, what we thought was a de- supposed to be a deep-sea fishing boat, but it was actually like a 12-foot plastic boat. With <laughs> How far out were you? We were about five, six miles out, had no cover for shade. We actually, when we got on the boat, we thought it was taking us to the deep-sea fishing boat. Like that's, that's how naive we were. So we got out there, and then about four hours in, this wicked storm rolled in. It took us five hours to get back to shore, and it was a pretty interesting experience getting back.
0: And you were just throwing up the whole time?
1: No, so we we, we didn't really get sick at that time. It was just when we got back, like we had heat exhaustion, and I think uh, something maybe we ate. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but the next day, one of my buddies had a seizure. We all were throwing up. It was just. We, we had enough Nicaragua for, for that specific.
0: So, so the next, and you, you went down there to volunteer, right?
1: No, this was, this was a surf trip.
0: This was a surf trip. Okay. Yeah. So it's supposed to be 10 days and you guys are just so sick that you're like, I want to go home. Somebody said, I want to go home. And everyone said me too.
1: So the sick part wasn't too bad. is when the, the buddy had a seizure and actually wet himself standing in the kitchen where we were like, ah, that's probably enough Nicaragua for this oh, round. Yeah. What was he okay? <laughs> yeah, he was fine, totally fine uh, for the like after that. And he actually was kind of pushing to maybe stay, and we we're like, let's not push the luck, man. We've had a great time. Going back a little early is not going to hurt anybody.
0: Yeah. Jeez. Wow. All right. So that's number three. What else?
1: One of the exciting ones that just recently happened to me is. Uh, I moved into my dream bachelor pad that i designed it's a uh we converted a 1920s church into residential lofts near downtown tucson and uh that whole experience has been pretty awesome it's been
0: very so a lot a of loft in your own uh, development and yep. actually a church yep That's it's uh
1: and, and just kind of going through that we ended up we bought the church along with three houses and three vacant lots, and we piecemealed it up and sold it off to different investors and did a flip on one of the houses. We ended up getting the church for free, uh, but it was just a massive, massive remodel project. And so did you get that to the finish line? We so kept me.
0: the church, right?
1: Yep, yeah, we kept the church. Um, so it's a four unit, four, four lofts, about 8,000 square feet, so they're all pretty big spaces. And does um, it look like a church? Yeah, it still looks like a church, man.
0: So you walk in the front door, and it looks like you're going to church. Yep. Now, are you religious?
1: not super religious. I was raised Catholic, but I'm not really practicing.
0: Okay. And what sort of church was it?
1: It was a, a Baptist church in the 30s and 40s, and then it changed a bunch of different denominations as the church okay. changed. Against.
0: Huh. Interesting. Lots of different gods in there then. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. What else?
1: Again, kind of going back to... Uh, Giving this past year for Red Day, my team raised 10,000 pounds of food for the local community food bank in one day, and it had a pretty lasting impact on me just to show what happens when people show up and are on purpose. Like Our goal was 2,000 pounds of food, and uh, we put a little competition behind it and got motivated and, and purposeful, and to fill up five trucks in a, in a 20-foot trailer with food to, and showed up to the food bank and was like here's truck one and they were thankful and then we showed up with truck two three four five in the trailer and they were just blown away that whole experience was just pretty awesome uh pretty awesome thing to, to get to go through wow
0: all right so let's talk about future greatest hits right so what five future greatest hits do you want
1: i want whether it's sevilla spain san juan del sur nicaragua or another location i want to get to a place where i am living remotely um, in another country. I, I, in the next five years, I want to do it for six months. I want to be able to live remotely for six months in, in another country. Uh, so so that's one of my big bucket list items. I want a Hilo snowboard in Alaska. It just looks amazing. And I'm sure there's some GoBros out there that would be all over that. Doing an Ironman is a big one for me. With the swimming background, I'm, I'm gearing up to start training for triathlons. That's why I'm running right now. And then eventually get purposeful and, and do a six to nine month training regimen and, and knock out an Ironman is something that I, I want to complete. Surfing uh, down in Australia would be a big one. I, I think that that would just be a, an awesome experience. I'm a shitty surfer, but I love it. And finding a kick-ass chick. I mean, we talked about the relationships, side think. So at some point, I want to get purposeful with that and make that a reality as well.
0: That's great, man. Those are good ones. Those are, those are really good ones and they're all can easily be done, can easily be actualized. So looking forward to watching you on that journey, Ben. Listen, all right, well let's wrap this up, buddy. This has been really good. I, uh, I can't wait to, uh, meet you at the next GoBundance event. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to come on here and sharing everything. So, uh, Best of luck to you and if I'm ever in Tucson or surrounding areas let's get together please and break some up. bread.
1: Yeah, please look me up man. I appreciate the uh, the time today and I, uh, I look forward to meeting you and getting to know more of the gobros. I I love the group so far. It's it's, it's fantastic. Grab 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 life big.